Thanks for tuning in to It's Just a Transit. This is an adult podcast where we talk about adult things and sometimes we may even use some adult words. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to It's Just a Transit. I'm Josh Sterling, and I'm currently enjoying my vacation in Florida with my co-hostesses with the mostesses. Uh, that's right, broadcasting from the very same room for the very first time um, and within an inch of my life <laughs> with um, <laughs> Amanda Hansen and Jenny Overson. How are you feeling today, ladies? I feel like... There's a lot of sass in this room. It might be the Leo moon, possibly. Sure. And Mars is reporting to the moon, so that, that sums it up. Can <laughs> you have a clear picture of that energy? I think so, from that every and, week. And me, I'm doing great, Josh. It's been a really lovely time. <laughs> You're not sick of me yet. I'm not sick of you yet. Um, ask me tomorrow. I'm just at, kidding. I'm Love you, many. What's shaking? I've just been hanging out with you guys. It's true. Are you having a good time? <laughs> yes, I am having a great time. So um, today, the day that you hear this, um, not to actual today to us, but today to you, it is National World Tarot Day. Um, and with us today, helping us celebrate World Tarot Day, it's not National World Tarot Day, I don't know why I added another word, but it is So Full of It Podcast. <laughs> that's right um our friends carrie and unity uni from so full of it uh welcome soul full of it soul full of it right we're so full we of are it. so full of it yes <laughs> seriously though it's <laughs> and we reckon you are too mm-hmm. right full so <laughs> how are things how are things on the opposite side of the country a lot cooler yeah like physically <laughs> literally i the question on some people's minds might be that like okay so this is an astrology podcast what's tarot got to do with it and the truth to it is is that it has a lot to do with it what do you think uni it definitely does you can't i don't think you can approach tarot without really looking at the astrological aspects of it and it took me a while before I felt comfortable enough to actually dive into astrology. And I think because I'm coming at it from a tarot lens, most people come at it the other way around. Uh, I think it colors my perception of astrology a little bit differently. And I feel anybody who wants to be proficient in tarot would benefit greatly if they learn to see the astrological associations to every card, really. I completely agree with that. I also came at it backwards. So I came at it from tarot first and then moving into astrology or wanting to learn more about astrology because of the t- of it being on my cards. And it's like, okay, why mm. is this planet symbol on my card? And when you start to... I don't, I don't know if you feel this way, but when I started to learn how to read an astrological chart, um, I read it intuitively first like I would mm-hmm. a deck of tarot cards. So when I look at this at, at a, a planetary chart, I'm really looking at the energy of those planets and the position where they're at and how they're interacting with everything else. And I look at it as a spread as opposed to zoning in on one thing. 
And I think that it has, it helped my astrology practice to come at it from that direction versus getting into tarot. I think Carrie and Amanda, you probably both approached tarot from astrology, I'm assuming. Not necessarily that I approached it, but like I did learn astrology first and then started learning tarot and then just kind of furthered myself more on the astrology side. Right. That makes a lot of sense. What about you, Carrie? I got my deck when I was like 13, my first deck. I know, right? (laughs) I was like surrounded by Mormons and I was like, this is not my vibe. Let's go to the only pagan store in town. And I did. And (laughs) I got my first deck. So I dabbled in that first technically, but I was always obsessed with sun sign astrology because I have a Sagittarius stellium. So when I read about Sagittarius, it was like, wow, this is all about me because like, I have a lot of Sagittarius energy in me, like a lot. <laughs> yes, the flame is bright. <laughs> yeah, it's lit. even like the red hair, like everything about you, like you're wearing like a rose color, and you've got like a rosy tone to your skin, and like you just like fucking Sagittarius <laughs> as fuck. I love it. Yes, ma'am. Actually, I was yes. hoping the two of you could introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit more about you and your podcast. I'm Carrie Raquel. And I'm Uni. (laughs) Uni Cardenas. And the Soulful of a Podcast was born in August of 2019, which feels like a very long time ago now. And it was really born out of our conversations. Uni and I have been, well, we started out as frenemies. (laughs) (laughs) Emphasis on the enemies. (laughs) We started out as frenemies. Um, We did not like each other when we first met. And it's probably because there's a lot of overlap in, in our, I mean, honestly, we're both Gemini rising and we're both Pisces moon. Mm-hmm. And then we both have very intellectual sun signs. He's an Aquarius sun and I'm a Sagittarius sun. So we had a battle of wits, uh-huh. um, but we ended up bonding through heartbreak and insanity, insanity, which was <laughs> a workout program that no one should probably ever do. Oh, that's um, so funny. Did it. I've done that workout <laughs> program. Like, I have also done that work program, and I agree with you. And I got my first tarot deck when I was 13. Wow, nice. Okay, so we have a few things in common. Wow. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, that's that's what our, what we're up to. Uni was focused in tarot. I was focused in astrology. And then we really started cross-pollinating through the podcast. And I ended up doing a tarot course. And he's dived into astrology, gene keys, um, was it human design? A lot of different things that he's dabbling in witchcraft, <laughs> like <laughs> just sprinkling some Satan. Um, <laughs> the devil is here. We have the card out. The but... devil is in the details. That's right. Um, but yeah, that's that's a little bit about. That. It's a matter of perspective, yeah, actually. Yeah, and the genesis of it was actually in this room. Like we're literally sitting on this couch. So... <laughs> yeah, it's true. And it was just us having these great conversations. We get done talking, and I'd be like. Damn, we should have recorded that. That was so good. Or should I say soul good? <laughs> soul well, good. Soul good. It's soul good. Um, Amanda and I, like, definitely, like, same kind of deal. Like, we definitely were having conversations that we were like, oh, my God, I wish we had recorded that. Oh, but yeah. absolutely, we said that many times. So I, that totally resonates with kind of how we bonded through astrology. And... Um, I love that about the, so so what really was the turning point from frenemies to friends it was the heartbreak i think the fact that so this is 
a bad story, but a true story. Um, spice up your life. We were living in a three-bedroom apartment in Portland here in Portland, Oregon, and our two roommates, Katie and Nana, who are still very good friends with us despite this, uh, left town. They actually both went to really big cities. Katie lives in New York with her dad, and Nana went back to Tokyo. She's actually from Japan originally, and we decided not at the same time, but it just so happened that uni met this guy, I think online, right? Okay, or on um, <laughs> <laughs> So he met this guy and I also met a guy at the time. This is again, many, many moons ago. Um, I like to say BD before Dave, Dave's upstairs. I love Dave, um, but this was a different guy. And I met him on the bus classy good place in transit oh in transit <laughs> and um public transit and we uh i moved him in and then and then uh uni moved his guy in and so when katie and nana returned from their trips there were two strange men living in our apartment for the summer and then at the end of the summer um things went south with both of them of course and they were removed and then we did the insanity workout program and through that uh we gained a lot of respect for each other mm -hmm. yeah. and confidence there's nothing like her waking us up in the morning we're gonna do insanity it's like we could barely even walk <laughs> literally we would be like crying together yeah that program's insane but mm -hmm. that's that's how we became from frenemies to friends and then now i would even say I would say best friends. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love friends. that. It's We're like, cousins. it's one of those We're things cousins. where like, if you do that workout series, you have to like, you have to have a friend because you hurt so fucking bad after you do it that like, mm -hmm. you need someone that understands how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> and also I would never like do trauma. it unless I had someone else holding me accountable. So, um, because this is like, you guys talk about tarot on your podcast a lot. Um, I think that you integrate it really well into your podcast and um, this is something that we're just kind of starting to dabble with on our end. And so I thought it would be a good idea to kind of go through basic tarot information, maybe the history of tarot. I think that knowing the history of where it actually came from is a really important component of it. Um, and it ultimately ties it back to astrology. So it's a perfect place to start is at the beginning. Okay, so um, the history of tarot, like most books will start the history of tarot even wikipedia if you look up where did tarot start it's like it started in 14th century like italy like in florence mm -hmm. italy with um the tarot of marseille 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 i don't know how to really pronounce Mercedes, that marseille. Marseille. let's just take it to the modern it's marseille or it's marseille right marseille yeah okay. so um it kind of started there um, or at least that's where um, Rider Waite Smith and Thoth decks kind of branched off of. Um, so a lot of them have the like tarot starting in, in 15th century Europe and various different parts of Europe. But I challenge that definition of tarot history, and I believe that it starts a lot earlier than that, actually, with cardomancy, playing cards. Mm. And the truth of the matter is that before. Europeans came along and evolved it into like the version that we see today um, there was no good record of the cards so like how they were used and how they were printed like there's not a really good record of it but there are little 
Easter eggs hidden throughout history where we know that it existed at an earlier time. And so it actually, playing cards may have actually been invented as early as the ninth century uh, by the Tang Dynasty in China. So playing cards started in China long before they're ever credited with that. Um, the first playing cards would have actually been written on leaves from a tree. And that was how card games were originally first played. Wow. So I can't believe that. Oh my God. I can't believe it either. <laughs> At I, least we're not believing. We're believing. That's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's leave that pun alone. And <laughs> leave the pun alone. Um, so the part, yeah, so the first cards would have been written on leaves. So clearly like leaves biodegrade quickly and there's no record of that shit, but like there are stone carvings and things like that. Things that have left behind that show people playing a game looks like cards, you know? So like those types of clues are hidden throughout history. The earliest dated instance of this is July 7th, 1294. And it was printing blocks and six printed cards were actually found in the Tang Dynasty in China, like through in their artifacts. And so we know that it existed as early as that. So fuck Europeans. We've just whitewashed the whole tarot history by saying that it started with Rider Waite Smith, um, which was artfully drawn by a beautiful black woman named Pamela Coleman Smith. And like that part of history was also kind of whitewashed. And so the story of white supremacy is actually hardcore ingrained in the practice of tarot. And I think that we have uh, an obligation as readers in this generation of tarot readers to educate people about that. And so that's really why it was important to me to not start where everybody else starts, you know, like talk about the things that are uncomfortable about it, but also like it's not white people's invention by any stretch of the imagination yeah yeah and i think we're talking about something like history of tarot given the fact that it everybody's going to come at it from a different angle trying to like piece it together because there's only like breadcrumbs along the way i think that's super interesting because when uh i had also learned about it having come out of china originally but apparently there was no major arcana in the original like tarot that was added later and I find it funny because in uh, in Spain, they play this game with these like Spanish cards and they're very much like the minor arcana and they're missing. Are there 36 the cards? Is it 36 uh, cards? I haven't counted, but it's uh, it's called uh, Spanish cards. <laughs> I'm just curious but, uh, because some of the earliest decks, I think it's not mentioned anywhere. Like this is just theoretical for me, like reading through this history, but like earliest decks had 36 cards in it what has 36 in astrology like in astrology like there's what 36 decans right i was actually yeah, gonna yeah. say that oh, yeah. so i Different like the cards here. match yeah. up to the decans in astrology and they still do today that's yeah. what's crazy mm. about it so if that existed in the early 14th century that doesn't mean that it came from the early 14th century and history points to it actually coming from the egyptians so it's really interesting how like like one version of it started in China, one version of it started in Africa, and like it, they kind of like, and then there's also a Jamaican version, which you know Pamela Coleman Smith's history is Jamaican, and a lot of the symbology came from that culture, and so it really is a melting pot of cultures, um, 
mostly yeah. not white culture. Like the Silk Road, right? <laughs> the Silk right. Road was kind of what connected all of it. Exactly. So like they, they so so it collected tradition as it passed itself along, and I think that that's really interesting, um, because even the suits and tarot, um, you know what the suits and tarot connect to in astrology. Yeah, the elements. Correct. So like, um, you know, earth, air, fire, and water are present in the cards. Um, I just think that it's it's mm-hmm. always been an inherent. Um, association with cards um, it just kind yeah. of like evolved as time went on and I think you're, you're absolutely right as far as like the major arcana being added later um, the Ming dynasty was the very first in um, the late 12th century the Ming dynasty added coins so their cards were um, coins four suits but coins strings of coins myriads which would be ten thousand coins and then mm-hmm. tens of myriads which be would be tens of ten thousands of coins mm-hmm. so the the cards were actually you know an, a very early form of describing currency right yeah or wealth in some sort of way and then the cards became like this thing that people used to gamble so I think that that's a really interesting thing. And that's when history really started to pick up on it was when people started to gamble with the cards. Um, <laughs> of course. Right. <laughs> so um, there is evidence coming out of uh, um, artifacts in Persia and Arabia. Um, they assigned the suits as coins, clubs, jugs, and swords. And they were the first to add court cards with the king and the vizier. Yes, so... Um, Sorry, I'm 12. <laughs> then we have evidence in ancient Egypt, 11th century Egypt, of the cards being sticks, coins, swords, and cups. What does that sound like? So clearly the tarot association came from the Egyptian description of the suits, um, which I find really interesting because I don't hear Egypt mentioned enough it does some astrology like uni came you came right out of the gates like egypt yes i completely agree with like tarot really being rooted there and then most of the evidence of that happening would have been destroyed um in, in wars and and as the egyptian empire fell like we lost the things that would have provided the proof of that like connecting the dots so like a lot of the history is missing they also had three court cards in Egypt. So they had the king and the king's top two deputies. So it would have been the de- the king deputy and the deputy to the deputy kind of a deal. Um, but they had they, there were Egyptian words that were associated with that, which I won't even attempt to butcher. I didn't even write them down. Uh, so, um, the honesty. Yeah, absolutely. It's really the honesty that absolutely. I need at that point. So then, um, as far as that goes, that's going to bring us kind of like up to modern tarot so like that like following it backwards now let's like look at modern tarot so it's basically coming out of florence italy 14th century um immediately like when the cards started to get printed like when all of these manufacturers started printing cards that's when cards started getting banned and outlawed and all of those things and so they had these decks of cards and then that's when cardomancy got really really popular because people started, okay, well, we can't play with these cards in public, so what do we do with them? We play with them in private. No jokes. Jokes, jokes, jokes. <laughs> Jenny wanted to say that's what she said. 
I made I the did, joke did. for you. I did want to. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, they started printing them in mass production, and so that's where more like ass production. Ass production. <laughs> <laughs> so they started printing them in mass production, and people started using them My to bad. tell fortunes in private. And that's when fortune telling with them got really, really, really popularized. So um, it wasn't until, um, it, but basically stayed like at that point, it was like the suits as we know them for the most part. It was like the court cards, but they hadn't gone in and added like major arcana cards to it yet. And that is where modern tarot comes in. And we've got Rider Waite Smith and Thoth, which you have to give the credit to. Uh, Rider Waite Smith for that because the deck was first, right? So Thoth was sort of the the anti Rider Waite Smith deck is kind of how I look at it. The Thoth deck as well as like tries to talk. The Thoth deck is more like tied into the Egyptian like Hermetic stuff as well, right? Yeah, definitely. Like Aleister Crowley definitely um, like gave paid homage to the Egyptian culture and the heritage of that, but like. Uh, I haven't read the Book of Thoth, but like I like I'm sure that he probably talks about why he made those connections in there. But also like the images that they chose are images that evoke a sense of some sort of a feeling in everyone. You know, we know that um, cops are meant to hold what liquid, right? Liquid. Liquid. Liquor. So and <laughs> wine. right. Wine. And so when you think of astrology, like liquid in astrology is water. So water ultimately becomes the association, and that's our brains automatically pick up on that. A pentacle looks like a coin, or a mm. coin looks like a coin, or a disc looks like a coin, and it makes us think of money. And that's what that suit is about. It's about earthly things. It's about possessions. Um, it's about the ground that we walk on. It's about reality. Um, and then you've got swords, which represent air. and Swords move through air. Yes. Like, they cut through things. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because when you have a tarot card with people fighting with swords on that, on that card, it's not necessarily fighting with swords. It's fighting with words. It's fighting with mm-hmm. intellect. It's a, it's a fight of wits, not a fight of... It's a chess game. Fists. Yes, exactly. Uh, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. I always find it so funny because in traditional Egyptian like tarot, the swords are actually earth and the pentacles are actually air. And if you like take a both and approach, it opens up a whole new layering of it. So like, if you want to look at them, yeah, they're fighting with their words, but the swords also could be tied to like values and like what's what somebody values might become almost like the thing that they're trying so hard to defend and it becomes the thing that's directing that conversation or directing that battle of wits. So I completely agree with you and you're 100% right about that association. And I think what changed is um, thinking of money as personal possession as opposed to commerce. Because when tarot was invented, it was about commerce. It was about trade. It was like this deck being passed around or these cars being passed around on, on the Silk Road. It's like like cultures collaborating and coming together and that's that's what tarot eventually becomes and i think that like mercury uh mercury rules commerce so i think that like as the tarot deck was being passed around and communicated in intellectualized is that a word mm-hmm. yeah um yep. uh, intellectualized yeah. i think as it was coming into existence i think that the, that is appropriate for the suits of the time does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah 
So yeah. it's kind of like looking at it in different house systems. It's like looking at tarot in different house systems, and that was like traditional. Now we're looking at it in a modern house system because we look at at money at, at values differently than we did. Yeah. When that's a great way to look at everybody it. was fucking poor. I mean, still there's a lot of poor people out there, but like mm-hmm. I mean, people that were reading cards were like they weren't the wealthy people. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's like. Um, the wealthy people were having them read to them. <laughs> right. In Europe by that They time. weren't paying as much as they could have for it. Exactly. Um, which is really interesting, which brings me back to Rider Waite Smith. So, um, the most popular deck in North America was created in 1909. So, it's not really that long ago when you get right down to it. And it was drawn by. I'm going to give the credit to where it's due first. Um, it was born, it, it was written by, drawn by Jamaican born Pamela Coleman Smith. And she was commissioned by Arthur Edward Waite. Um, Smith herself wrote about the project um, and journaled about doing, uh, the, uh, drawing the deck. And she actually referred to it as a big job for very little cash, which I think is, is very indicative of what happened. It also gave her very little recognition because um, as the writer company who published the deck and Arthur Waite named the deck Writer Waite, completely leaving her name off of the billing. And so this didn't change. The addition to of Smith's name to the title has been a recent adaptation. Like this has like been a push, like really within the last five to ten years, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Probably sooner. Like I feel like in the last five years, really I've seen it like become such a big deal in the tarot community and i see it so widespread i don't know how do you feel about that uni i think so too because for the longest time i remember people just re- refer to it as a writer weight deck and then recently or more recently i would say maybe within the last like three years you hear it like the whole name writer weight smith or smith writer weight which is how i prefer to say it because I feel like there is no deck without this incredible artist. 100% who absolutely agree. should be given that credit. Yeah, and most decks are based off of that imagery. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that it really came down to like who had the most money at the end of the day. And it's just a shitty way to go about it. But that's the difference between a deck that is, you know, has the swords and the coins mixed up i don't know really <laughs> so I, I feel like it's, it fits um but uh you know it's like modern practitioners now have recognized and exposed the right supremacy that's inherent in esoteric, uh, esoteric circles that that built this this tarot tradition that is like really mostly been whitewashed so i'm glad that we have an opportunity to sort of like clear the air with that topic because i think that it's something that a lot of tarot readers don't hear about or know about because it's really not written in history books that brings us to um thoth um like thoth was a deck that was created by alistair crowley um really about 50 years after this deck uh the writer uh, smith writer weight deck was created um and it was because he didn't agree with the lack of astrological significance in their cards he wanted to he didn't agree with their astrological associations is really what it boiled down to for him so if you're like me and you started with a thoth deck and 
some of the things that we're talking about or the words that we're using or the associations that we're using don't make sense to you, it's because they're a little bit different. And so we're going to touch on that just briefly because really the rest of, of the episode is going to be more in uh, Smith Rider Waite, if that makes sense. But if you guys, if you, if anybody has a deck at home that's that's based off of Thoth um, archetypes, then this will give you an, will clear some of this stuff up for you. Okay, so... Zodiacal associations vary quite a bit as Crowley disagreed with the interpretations um, that, that were once again like associated with Terre of Marseille. And Terre of Marseille was actually written by French card historian uh, Romain Merlin, which I think it's so interesting that his name was Merlin. It's like <laughs> magical. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that that's interesting. Um and then, so the very first card that's going to pop out of the deck that you're going to see a difference in is the magician. So in in uh, Smith Rider Waite, it is the magician. In Toth, it is the priestess. I'm, I'm sorry, the magus. I'm skipping down a line. So in Thoth, it's the magus. Um, the high priestess in Rider Waite Smith is the priestess in Thoth. Strength which is card eight in Rider Waite Smith becomes card eleven, which is lust in uh, Thoth's deck. Mm. Wheel of Fortune, drop the wheel, it just becomes Fortune, um, which is card ten. Then card eleven is Justice in Smith Rider Waite, and it is card eight, which is adjustment in Thoth. And you can see what he did there is he kind of like took like the zodiac and like sort of flipped it on this like double helix elliptical is what ends up happening and so he creates like this sort of infinity loop is what he calls it and that's what to him asked i don't even know if that makes sense to anybody but it makes sense to my aquarian mind um like it creates sort of this loop in the center of the astrological chart which creates like this continuative energy throughout the tarot deck which changes some of the meanings in the story for how he envision that in his crazy brain so then you've got um temperance uh which is card 14 in smith rider weight it is art in thoth's deck then you've got judgment uh which is card 20 it's the aeon in the thoth deck and then you've got the suits uh the suits are the same with the exception of like pentacles, maybe coins or discs in a Thoth deck. And then you've got queen, uh, king, queen, knight, and page versus knight, queen, prince, and princess. Which I kind of liked that there was a queen and a knight and it made me feel like the woman was in charge in my deck. And I felt like a lot of feminine energy from my deck as I learned how to use it. And I really connected with that. Um, and I think that's why I've always kind of stuck with that tradition for me, which is really funny because it's mm -hmm. actually very male-centric if you get into the history of Aleister Crowley. Mm -hmm. I mean, I prefer a princess card, but we'll allow it. Oh, yes. Princesses, <laughs> queens. Like, I don't know. I love it. So, um, yeah. Do you have anything that you'd like to, that you have to add to that or anybody have any uh, thoughts? I like that he named the justice uh, adj adjustment just because, yeah, what are you constantly doing? You're um adjusting to your environment as new things become available to you uh one of my friends and uh, teachers that's really into the tough deck he said that as a deck it has a tendency to 
really make karma make you move through karma quicker so if you're reading with it don't be surprised if like shit gets really quick and really intense real quick i agree um i also think that it's like um like a lot of the meanings are a lot more intense and i think that it like pushes you to the like the worst definition it's almost like the rider weight smith deck for me or smith rider weight deck for me will give me like it's just a little nicer that's how i feel about it i don't know the crowley deck gets to the heart of the matter it kind of cuts right to the heart of the underbelly it calls it what it is yeah Yeah. i think that that's very true that's a good way to put it i think that's very true so um you know i feel like there's a lot of different rules when it comes to working with tarot and reading tarot how amanda how do you feel about reversals in tarot so when I first started reading tarot and I was learning to read tarot, I was reading reversals all the time, um, but I had such difficulty connect. Like it didn't always tie into what I was asking, or you know, even like later when I would look at the card in retrospect, it wouldn't really make that much sense to me. Um, but the like the upright card would make sense. So. Recently, I actually started, I like stopped reading reversals unless I felt called to. Like, just allowing myself to read it upright no matter how it came out. And that's worked out really well for me. There are a lot of people like, you know, the cards already have so many meanings as it is. And there's so many different interpretations for them that like you can choose to add that extra layer and read the reversal or you can choose to just not fuck with that. (laughs) And I chose to not fuck with that. (laughs) <laughs> i agree agree do you, how do you feel about that um carrie so i i dilly dally depending on like what essentially the reading wants like for the person i totally agree with you on that amanda so the way that i view reversals especially because i came at it from very much of an astrological background is the same way i kind of view retrograde planets it still has an importance And I also think when you have that lens, you take away what I see being done in a lot of these tarot books, which are great. They're a great way to start. But I also want to encourage people to take what works and leave what doesn't. And that's part of my practice in every way. Actually, I always say that at the beginning of every reading I do for tarot, for astrology, for literally everything, because I think it's so important to empower people to make choices for themselves. But Mm -hmm. with that being said, I do think that the reversals can have significance, but they are not opposites, which is what I see in these books is like, oh, if you get the 10 of cups, it's good fortune. But if you get it reversed, your whole family's going to die. Sorry, my North nose in the eighth house. I like to take it down. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Jenny, what do you think? I guess it just kind of depends for me because, like, I'm a lot newer to tarot, but um, I currently do read reversals where I'm at because I I do think that I have a lot of um, beginner's luck in a certain way where, like, whether it's specifically the intuition or I'm just, like, really gifted at pulling cards, I do believe that, like, alignment for me of the card as I'm learning still helps me both learn and see how energies can mix. And I don't necessarily always just like look at the exact definition of a reversal. I will oftentimes look at like the meaning of a card and I will interpret the reversal based kind of on the energy there and 
like the other night you were asking me like I just like look at a photo and I'm like this is how it makes me feel and you're like what you just like guess that and I'm like yes well yeah yes because a lot for me but I would never say it to somebody if I didn't also like double check it like for me, the reversals are important now while I'm still adjusting and learning. And also because I, I, I like I have a couple decks that are like very fucking literal. And so like I would never want to demean the message or the possibility of that reversal having something to do with it. But you know, I know a lot of people who don't read reversals, they're very comfortable not doing so, and I think that's super cool. And um I do lean more heavily on my intuition regarding the subject so yeah no i 100 percent agree with you and when i was taught when i was talking about that the other day even like what it is with you is when you're reading tarot especially as being like such a beginner with it i can see a physical spark of in of intuition when you're reading it like i can see your brain ignite and you feel something and it's not associated with a, a necessarily a meaning but you, I, I do the same thing. Like if I, if I get an intuitive read of something and I'm like, that's not what that card means. And then I'll be like, I'm going to go reread like the traditional meaning of that card. And then I find that something about it really actually does fit what I'm thinking, but I have to like work the math backwards, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because the, the first deck that I ever got, um, doesn't have the, the same words for the suits. So learning on a deck that doesn't have the right words, it's been a pain in the ass sometimes because, like, the deck that I started with has jars for cups. It has wicks for wands. Well, we had jars coming out of uh, Persia and Arabia. Jugs. Jugs. It was jugs. God damn it. (laughs) So. I don't go straight to breasts. I'm a gay man. Shocking. Um... But no, so the the deck that I started learning on has jars for cups, it has wicks for wands, it has petals for swords, and it has crystals for pentacles. What, no no petals for armor? I was going to wonder about... No petals for armor pun thrown in there. Uh, It was the Haley Williams love. But um, no, uh, but um, that was... Um, actually it was, it was almost better for me because like I am more elementally in tune with things in general. So between astrology and magic and tarot so far, like for me, I connect to something on a very like basic elemental level. So as I was learning, I was still incorporating more association with the element and the energy behind the suit, um, and the numerical values. But every now and then I'd be like, oh my God, what the fuck is petals again? Like where the fuck? Cause, Cause like you you're trying to figure out pentacles versus coins versus swords right, versus totally. wands. And, like, you want to immediately think that, like, maybe swords would be fire, but it's not. You know, wands is fire. And so it's, like, when I was first learning on this deck, I was just constantly, like, annoyed about how much extra attention it took. But, like, it worked out well for me because, like, that deck is a fucking sassy bitch and we love her. And she reads everyone for <laughs> filth. And, she like, really she, like, truly, <laughs> like, when people ask to get read off of, like, my first deck, I'm like, I'm going to need you to sign a waiver. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. are you sure? I remember it was my birthday and I was like, do you want to pull cards for me? And she was like, yeah. She's like, but are you sure? You've are you already like, heard stories about really my deck. Are you sure? Like, yes. <laughs> Which again, and here's my NDA. Yes, here. but again, which is why like the reversals reading felt so imperative to me because like this deck was teaching me how I was going to read tarot, and um, as a result, 
having introduced every single card to myself first by picture alone and writing down an association and then adding it back into the guidebook, I ended up writing down pretty much almost all of them, like close enough to their meeting. Like a couple of them were just different enough that I was like, oh, I'm going to star that one. Yeah. I and that's because. I remember you were like, dude, you have to look at this. I have said almost the same thing that this book says (laughs) i mean that's because the symbolism in these cards goes so far back it's like really you're looking at akashic record you're looking at like things that are higher knowledge spiritual knowledge like knowledge that you pull out of thin air and as a pisces that is like like a little like i don't know i always think of dumbledore like pulling like like with 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 his wand like pulling the thought out of (laughs) someone's brain yes That's what it makes me think of, and it's like, um, it's, just, it's interesting. Um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I do not traditionally read reversals because in in Thoth, you, it's not traditionally recommended, although later books of Thoth do have reversals written in them. So I think they went back later, but it would have been after he would he had already passed away when they added that into the book. Yeah. So, which is interesting. Um, it, like, traditionally, it's not meant to be read in reverse. Um, but you're supposed to consider the reverse definition in all, always. You're always supposed to consider both sides of it and how it relates to the other cards. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. So sometimes I get a really hard reversal. Intuitively, I don't know how else to put it. Like, it just feels like a hard reversal. Like, if I throw it on a card and it's reverse and i go to turn it and it's like it's just like a little like sharp fucking you get like a paper cut yes like like in my brain like uh, you know what i mean it's like which sounds worse than it is but um like i just know that it's meant to be that way and so i'll leave it in that case or sometimes i'll look at it as it's coming out reversed and i might lay it down not reverse but i sort of think of it as like like there's an energy there that is off about it you know like so i sort of consider that in my in interpretation but i don't always necessarily treat it as a reversal as such yeah carrie when you said that i it made me think of childbirth when a child comes out backwards they're technically coming out breached and that's a much harder labor to go through it's much harder to to birth a child that's coming out quote backwards yeah and so i think I think a lot of what we've created in this world, including tarot, are reflections of our humanity, right? And so reversals, the reason that a lot of people don't feel comfortable reading them or avoid reading them is because they anticipate that they're harder to read. But really, they actually require more creativity to be read, to be understood in a different way. And so the two lenses I use for reading reversals when I read them are am i in resistance towards this energy as it is when it's upright and am i being invited to deepen this energy when i'm working with it um to like really soak in the understanding that i have of it overall and those have really served me well as like a, an easier way to work with reversals but i just thought of that when you were talking though it's like huh it's kind of like when a kid, come, a kid comes out backwards they're not there's nothing wrong with them but it wasn't an easy labor No, and it, like, it reminds me a lot of how people assume that, like, naturally when you're looking at transit charts and aspects that, like, that all squares are bad. It's not that all squares are bad. In fact, some squares actually create more of, like, you know, a dynamic energy between the two planets that the challenge is part of, you know, the, 
the the sparkliness of it you know like it's it's the polishing dirt until it becomes a diamond like it's it's the idea of like putting enough pressure on something and seeing the results transform before you yeah it's I like love that. well because the challenge is part of the story as well it's like you know, even when we think about trines, like people say, like, oh, if you have so, if there's too many trines, then like you get lazy. Things just get too easy. So that's not good either. Like, we, there has to be a challenge in order for us to actually like appreciate okay. where we're going. And that, I think that speaks in astrology mm -hmm. and in tarot. Oh, so that's a good point. Like, what you're saying, Jenny, is like, not all squares are created equal. Not all trines are created equal. Like there are, there there's different energies depending on the planets, and it's interesting and where they're at in the chart too. You know, and tarot is a mirror of that reflection of astrology. Okay, so when we are looking at fives in tarot, we're actually looking at a difficult aspect. We're looking at a square aspect or a challenge like a bump in the road something that we have to deal with and that and that concludes part one of our episode with carrie and uni from soulful of it podcast in part two we'll be going over the fives in tarot so if you're ready to learn more make sure you stay tuned for part two of this episode if you're wanting to stay in the loop and find out more about when the next episode will be releasing or with anything else that's going on in the cosmic weather, you can head over to It's Just a Transit on Instagram or to follow along with Carrie and Uni, head over to Soulful of It on Instagram. Happy World Tarot Day, Transitors. And if you're listening to this tonight, May 25th, I hope you have a wonderful full moon eclipse tomorrow. And remember... If things get weird, it's still just a transit. 